Well, I'm back from a very short break, and I don't think anything big happened while I was gone, right? Oh yeah, except for that Will Smith slapping Chris Rock in front of millions of people, and Disney declaring all-out war on parents. We'll dig into that, and I know people are tired of hearing about it because this happened last week while I was on a moment of sabbatical, but I'll show you why we need to quit the exasperated act and why it's important to discuss these and other stories. All that and more on today's show. You're about to make the jump from the echo chamber into free and independent thought on the subjects of culture, causes, politics, and faith. Hey guys, thanks so much for liking, sharing, and subscribing. It does us a huge favor, but it also does you a really big favor because we're producing here at IndieThinker some great content on a regular basis, and I'm really, really excited to announce that this Sunday we're releasing a brand new guest show with none other than Dr. James Lindsay. You may have seen him and Peter Bogosian on Joe Rogan. Lindsay was also there as a solo guest on Joe Rogan later. Both of those episodes are fantastic because he is one of the nation's premier experts on critical theory, Marxism, and critical race theory, and he has some great stuff to share. And I particularly like the conversation that I have with him just because uh, he, I get him talking about scripture and about God, and he's an atheist um, more than I expected. Uh, so that's kind of interesting just to hear his thoughts about Christianity and how that's evolved, but more importantly, how he believes that we're being drawn together over a common enemy in what is happening in our society today. So I don't want to spoil any of it for you, but you need to check that out. And to be notified when that episode drops, you've got to subscribe, and then you got to click that little bell to be notified if you're on YouTube or wherever you may find yourself. And then while you're there, don't forget to rate and review because that helps this show be found by other people. But you're really going to love that. And uh, and again, that'll be this Sunday, and we release all of our guest shows at 8 Eastern Central, or Eastern Standard Time, forgive me. Uh, but without further ado, I want to jump into the show. But before I do that, i got to tell you how this show is made possible. It's made possible by the giving of people like you and the giving of people who support this show like Element Funding. Element Funding has been a longtime sponsor of the show, and I love being able to share their business with you guys, first and foremost, because this is the time where you need to start securing your family's future. And the way that you do that is by putting a roof over your head. And this is, you know, quite frankly, kind of tumultuous times in terms of financing, interest rates, and and the housing market. I was looking just this past weekend at housing markets around the U.S., and it was something like uh, Phoenix, Arizona rose 32%. So the average home price in Phoenix, Arizona is 32% higher than it was be before the pandemic. And then I think Tampa's around 30% or something like that. And by the way, I spent all my time on the break just reading alone in a room, small closet, not on the beach, beaches close to Tampa or anything like that, just so you know. I was preparing great content for you guys. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, housing market's going crazy. And so now it's time for you to lock in a great interest rates before, before it goes even crazier. So go to kevinblairteam.com today get pre-approved for a home or for refinancing your home, whatever you want to do, they can help you with your mortgage needs over at Element Funding. So when you contact Kevin Blair and the team over there, let them know that Indie Thinker sent you. The, the show today is going to really be about the so-called silent majority, just because I'm kind of tired of that label and I think we need to retire it. I'll talk about why, but I want to do that via a, a children's story like any good intellectual would. So the emperor's new clothes, maybe you remember that story, uh, but it's got one heck of a moral to that story. And I think it's really, really relevant for today. 
So first off, the vanity of the king is on full display as he craves new clothes because he loves himself so much. Can't get enough of looking at himself in a mirror. So already right there, we've got really something to kind of relate to what's going on in the world today. But when he finds some new scoundrels to make clothes for him, uh, they've invested so much time and energy in those clothes that no one wishes to, you know, burst the king's spirit. Um, and so no one says anything about the fact that these scoundrels are making clothes that don't exist for him. No one says anything, even though these people are very intelligent. So the king follows along with the charade, and merely because the people around him are too afraid to speak up, the king takes their approval as acceptance and then parades down the street totally naked while, while a cowardly group of spectators watch on as a naked man is walking before them, while all of them pretend that they don't see what's right in front of their face. So only a child has the common sense to speak up and spoil the whole parade when he says, uh, that dude is naked. What's wrong with you people? So is it any wonder that when radicals who want to shape and mold the next generation against the will of parents rise up, is it any wonder that they want to shut those people down, make sure that they stay quiet and then try to lie to people uh, so that they do stay quiet? And, and is it any wonder that level-headed kids are the ones who speak up in the midst of that when parents are being silenced and going along with this charade? So it shows us the preciousness of kids, but the story also teaches us about mob mentality and how it controls society, especially a society that is obsessed with how things make us feel. Rather than whether or not something is true, we care about how it makes us feel. So now we have a society of people that are applauded for their bravery for chemically castrating themselves and lopping off their own breasts. We're told that it's brave for a man to crush girls in sporting activities. We're told that it's brave to teach kindergartners about aberrant sexual orientation and preferences. By the way, I'll add to that any, whether it's normative or radical uh, sexual leftist ideology, regardless. <laughs> Kindergarten through third graders need to be learning math and Play-Doh and all these other things, spelling and all of these things, not those things. All the while, we're commanded by our social betters not to say the perfectly obvious truth. Men are men. My children are mine, not yours. And for God's sake, have the pride to compete in your own sport. Or worse, we're told by people who deep down share the values that I just espoused to stop opinion spouting and to stop feeling like you have to comment on everything. The people who share my values are merely just lying when they don't speak up because they know they feel the same way I do. They just don't wish to vocalize it. I think it's because they don't understand that they sound like this TikToker. What happened at the Oscars is not something white people need to speak on right away. There is so much nuance and complexity and layers that you will not be able to understand through your white experience without education and listening to specifically black women, which we all know many people don't. So when you share your perspective or your education on what you perceive to have happened last night, it's coming through your white lens, which has you on a place of moral high ground, lacks understanding of black trauma, has such an emphasis on this binary of who is good or who is bad centers violence, only actually continues to minimize black women and their pain, and most annoyingly continues to center yourself on that really just is not your business. So just take some time, take a minute. You don't have to respond right away. Really try and look at the entire situation before you speak on the shiny, easy grab. Because what you fail to see through your white lens was the actual violence occurring. So here we go, white people can't have an opinion 
on what a black man does because guess, guess it? Yeah, they're white. Not new, but I'll give her this much. It's totally insane. Now, my fellow Christians and conservatives may not take on the racial tone of this young girl, but they do echo her overarching idea. Why insert your opinion? Just be quiet. Let's not talk about that stuff. Well, why should we talk about that stuff? That's a good question. Here's why we should. This kind of stick your head in the sand mentality will keep you silent and slowly but surely not the majority anymore. People like this girl will continue to speak and impact this generation and future generations while you enjoy your position of silence and pretend that you're better than everybody else for not speaking. I'm so tired of the phrase silent majority. It's an excuse to stroke your own ego and pride. Well, I'm silent. I don't speak up about those things like you do. I know people accuse me that when I speak up, well, you're just speaking to draw attention to yourself. They don't see that what I'm actually attempting to do is draw attention to subjects that demand our attention and deserve to be discussed. Also, don't you find it rather ironic that the people who don't think we should share our opinions are all too quick to share their opinions about not sharing opinions? It's all maddening. And the only remedy for this kind of madness is the open and free exchange of ideas. This is why we must speak openly without fear of being silenced. As a new generation comes along, we have the obligation to be sane and vocalize wherever we can, while we can, even if we don't change things. Now hear me on this, because I know we say, well, what are you solving? So we can at least speak openly, and in doing so, learn something in the process. If you say nothing, you know what happens. Typically nothing. So yes, I'm advocating for the abolition of the silent majority, at least the phrase, and I'm encouraging thoughtful engagement. I understand it's way easier to talk and way harder to think, but once you've thought, for God's sake, speak, because silence is a lie when you have something to say. So with that being said, let's look at today's headlines so that we can speak openly about them and think about them. So let's jump into it. So by now you're aware that Chris Rock was slapped by Will Smith in the face. And a lot of people have talked about this. So we've heard things like, you know, Chris Rock isn't brave for not striking back because what other choice did he have? I know, given the setting, I agree. Why didn't Will Smith just go up to him and uh, uh, later after the show and say, hey man, dot, 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 or hey, I'm gonna fight you now, or I'm gonna slap you in the head instead of doing it in front of everybody where he probably knew Chris Rock was not gonna strike back. Uh, should a man just simply get side-eye from his woman and that be enough to go and try to humiliate a person in public? Doesn't this speak of a privilege for Will Smith that we're not willing to talk about because we're all so consumed with the uh, so-called white privilege that, uh, that seems to be on the lips of everyone else? All of these things have, have been said. And so I don't know that I have much to add to that other than to just say the one thing that I don't think I've heard talked about very much is something that I do believe we need to speak a little bit more openly about. So I don't know that I've got a lot more to say other than to just say this. Nothing is as common as a spoiled and entitled man thinking he can do whatever he wants without regard to the consequences. And that's exactly what we saw on display when Will Smith went in front of everybody and slapped Chris Rock in the face. 
Uh, I don't think there's anything very great about Chris's response or Will Smith's, obviously Will Smith's response in this. Um, by the way, uh, just to say that he was trying to defend his wife's honor, well, he should probably be doing that in his own marriage before he tries to be a spectacle in front of everybody else and do that because Chris Rock said a very meaningless joke, which by the way, if you don't know by now, he does not did not know at the time that Jada Smith had uh, alopecia, so he wasn't trying to uh, make fun of that fact. He was just making fun of her hairstyle, which is very common in these kind of events. I mean, look at Ricky Gervais for crying out loud and the way that he just absolutely schooled everybody uh, and the Screen Actors Guild uh, Awards in the past. But nonetheless, nothing is as common as this kind of spoiled behavior coming out of Hollywood. It's, it's not rare. These guys just typically don't do it in front of the camera. We all know that this exists. Um, but there is something that was kind of rare. Um, a humble man, when given the chance to strike back, chooses not to. Now, let me be very clear, because I posted this on social media, and almost nobody actually read the post. So I think this is the real problem in the midst of speaking out. Uh, for those of us who are the silent majority, we are so used to not speaking actively and effectively and intellectually on this topic that we just, we sometimes stick our foot in our mouth. So I get it. But sometimes you got to stick your foot in your mouth before you can finally get around to actually saying something worthwhile. But most of the people who responded to what I posted about this missed the fact that I was not talking about Chris Rock not responding to the slap immediately with like maybe throwing fists or maybe slapping Will back. No, I'm talking about a turning of the cheek that's, that's vastly different than that. I'm talking about the fact that when Chris Rock had the opportunity behind the stage to press charges and get Will Smith thrown out of the Oscar ceremony, he did neither of those things. Now, why? Probably because Chris understood that Will did something that was stupid and that he probably will learn to regret. Probably, too, because Chris Rock was pretty aware of the fact that King Richard was a good movie. It was a good movie, by the way, and that Will Smith was probably going to win an award, and he didn't want to take that from Will Smith. So, that being said, that kind of behavior is incredibly rare and does deserve to be mentioned because it is so rare. Because we can speak out about the bad behavior of Will Smith, but, and I think that that's totally valid, but I don't hear a lot of people speaking up about the good behavior of Chris Rock. Now, I don't know if Chris Rock is a Christian, and I don't suppose that he didn't choose to press charges or to have Will Smith thrown out of the Oscars simply because he was a Christian. But I would say that what Chris Rock did there is echoing a teaching that is firmly placed in Scripture. And that teaching is what Jesus said when he said, turn the other cheek. Now, Jesus isn't saying, hey, if you attack my daughter, have my other daughter. Or, hey, if you shoot me in one leg, I'll give you the other leg to shoot. Jesus was clearly talking about something that was not very hurtful, but something that was more kind of an assault on your pride or an assault on your feelings. And boy, do we need to hear this today. So when Jesus said, turn the other cheek, what he was saying is, is if somebody just merely slaps you on one cheek, don't let your pride get in the way and you think you have to retaliate. Just give them the other cheek because it's not something that's really going to hurt you at the end of the day. It's more about your pride. And Jesus just merely says, just turn the other cheek and don't respond to that stuff. Don't merely respond out of your pride. So that's kind of the teaching of of Jesus here. And, and he's indicting all of us, by the way, because all of us respond pridefully to all sorts of things. And Jesus is saying, hey, yeah, there's another way. And, and I can help you if you want, but just saying. So, so Jesus there is giving a clear directive about what to do when somebody insults you or when somebody does something against your own pride or your ego. Just turn the other cheek. 
walk on. And this is exactly what Chris Rock did. And this is why I think we need to speak about this kind of stuff. So when, when Chris Rock chose not to not only retaliate, I don't think that that's very Christian. I, I think like he was probably so shocked he was thinking to himself, what in the world just happened? But not that. But when he had the opportunity to say, I don't want to take away this man's moment. He's been waiting probably for most of his career, if not all of his career, to stand up before all these people and accept this reward. Um, and so he didn't want to take that from him. And then after the fact, when he could have pressed charges, he chose not to um, and not to have Will arrested. So I, I, this is good behavior. But, but here's the biggest thing about all of this is that we don't get to unearth that kind of thing if we obey the kind of the kind of extortion that's going on right now with, oh, don't talk about this, or everybody's talking about it. I mean, why do we continue to talk about it? And then these people pretend as though somebody, an actor on live TV, slaps another person in front of millions of other people watching at home and at the studio, you know, a combined millions of other people, and, and then we're supposed to not talk about this. This is what I kept on hearing all throughout all of this thing. Why is this such a big deal? Why are we talking about it? Don't get distracted by this. I think, yeah, maybe not get distracted about it, but talk about it. Yes, why? Because in the midst of talking about it, we can think about reactions, ideas, and things that took place in that moment and after the fact that I think truly will help us evolve as a society and help us think deeply about these things. So, I, as I started to think about this, I thought to myself, when I come back from break, I want to talk about this. I know everybody's talked about this, but very few people I hear talking about Chris Rock's, I think, noble behavior. I hear other people saying, oh, this was all staged and it was fake. I think that's ridiculous. Like, take your bandwidth and spend it on something that's actually much more worthwhile, I would say, in that case, because there's no way that you can actually prove that this was staged. Um, however, supposing that it was actually real, which I think you can see it and tell for yourself that it, that it was, you know, because people were talking about the way that it sounded and stuff and that when you slap somebody, it doesn't make a thud. Well, the guy had a microphone on. That's where the thud comes from. Anyway. All that to the side, in the process of talking about this stuff, in the process of not listening to those who want to shut down conversation, I think we can come up with some pretty good ethical questions and some ethical thinking about what took place in that very brief moment. And yeah, it's kind of a big deal because nothing like that has ever happened. So yeah, I, I think it's stick your head in the sand, uh, to say the least, to try to avoid it and pretend like it didn't happen and to just say, oh, no big deal. Not to mention, I think we rob ourselves of, of beautiful opportunities to, to, to think about things that, that could better our lives. Because here's what I would say. Everybody's up in arms about Will. I kind of already mentioned this. But the one thing I don't hear people really doing is extolling the good virtues that could be found in what took place after the fact. And I think there's one other thing about this whole fiasco. And it's this, that if we continue to merely mention bad behavior, not good behavior, and if we walk quickly away from what just took place, I think we'll miss opportunities because yet again, something happened here that continues to show us what's going wrong in our culture that I think needs mentioning. Uh, and I spoke about this with Leah Thomas uh, over a week ago with the fact that the rewards, the awards that Leah Thomas is going to receive are not gonna be soul satisfying awards. And the pride that Will Smith showed in that moment at the Oscars is very similar in that He's been waiting his whole life for the moment to stand up before his peers, hold that little gold statue, and I can only imagine that he went home that night thinking to himself, this is nowhere near what I expected my 
moment in the sun to look like, my name and lights, my, my Oscars award ceremony, my, my recognition for all the hard work that I've done, I never expected it to look as empty and as soulless and as defeating as this. I don't know that Will's response is the real story here. I think there's, there's something deeper. And if we are not willing to talk about it, then we will miss the opportunity to really help people in the process, to avoid the kind of thing that Will Smith did that ultimately landed him in one of the great, should have been one of the greatest moments of his life and instead wasn't. So enough of that, but suffice to say, keep on talking and don't listen to the extortion uh, because there's, there's things that need to be talked about and our next story is definitely one of those things. So maybe you saw that Chris Rufo just recently released footage of a Disney employee who was an executive producer on shows like Super Monsters and Puppy Dog Pals. And uh, in this kind of setting, they're talking about the, well, I'll let you hear it for yourself and then, and then we'll talk about it. So here's a Disney executive producer on kids shows talking about her queer agenda. Roberts and like the, the our leadership over there has been so welcoming to like, my like not at all secret gay agenda. And so like, I, I feel like I felt like it was, I mean, like maybe it was that way in the past, but I guess like something must have happened in the last, like, like they are turning it around, they're going hard. And then all that like momentum that I felt like that sense of, I don't have to be afraid to like, let's have these two characters kiss. Let's in the background, like I was just wherever I could just basically adding queerness to like, the, if you see anything queer in the show, I'm proud of But like, I, I just was like, no one would stop me and no one was trying to stop me. I mean, I'm sorry, after seeing that clip, all I want to do is just go, <laughs> because I think this woman actually thinks what she's doing is legitimately funny and not incredibly and deeply disturbing. Perhaps the most disturbing thing about all of this is that that she is saying that no one is saying anything to her at Disney about this, but you know who else is not saying anything about this? The vast majority of the time parents who are good at, you know, talking the talk, but sometimes not walking the walk because essentially she's saying she was waiting for somebody to stand in the way and stop her from inserting queerness wherever she can in children's shows but no one was. And so it was a laughable matter for her to just put queerness here and queerness there and ha <laughs> ha. Uh, but then there are other clips that were also released of just showing that um, in, in a couple of years time that Disney hopes to put at least main characters or at least uh, substantive side characters, about 50% of the characters in any Disney show are to be trans, uh, uh, dot, 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 uh, whatever the, the, you know, the LGBTQIA alphabet people are. Um, they want all of that representation in all of their shows. 50% at least needs to be represented that way. And this comes on the heels, of course, of uh, the Parental Protection Act that was just signed in Florida, which is the so-called Don't Say Gay Bill, which doesn't have the word gay anywhere in it, so it's kind of hard for it to not be that bill. Uh, it's kind of hard for it to be the Don't Say Gay Bill when it doesn't say the word gay in it, but uh, I digress. But the, the point is, is that on the heels of that, all of these things are starting to be released and Disney has come out vocally in support of their very few employees that wish to extort Disney into taking a hard stance on these issues and on the bill that just was released in Florida. And so here's the one thing that 
that I can say about them. Well, maybe perhaps two things is, and hopefully this helps you parents get a little bit active. So the first thing is this, is that the way Netflix handled its employees over the Dave Chappelle thing is way more admirable than the way Disney is going about this thing. So they stood, first of all, they stood by uh, the, the creative elements that were in a show regardless of those who wish to complain about it. Moreover, and more importantly, because here's the big thing, is that people on the left say, well, why should we listen to parents complain about this content for their kids? And that seems on its face obvious, but nonetheless, so let's give them the benefit of the, the, the doubt. They say, why should we listen to those who complain on the right? Here's why. Netflix understood something that Disney doesn't seem to, is that they have a customer base to please and not just an employee base to please. So when Netflix employees started protesting and stuff, of course, Netflix kind of backpedaled in terms of their statement, but they did nothing in terms of their content because they knew that their customers were the people that the content was created for. Now, Disney, and this brings us to the second thing, Disney is about to make the fatal mistake that Netflix refused to make. They are about to utterly change their content that, and it will not only totally destroy the original mission of the Walt Disney Company to entertain and help kids with their imagination, but it will, but it will also alienate the parents who pay them the most money for their Disney Plus subscriptions and for their theme park uh, admissions and all of that stuff. It comes from people like me. It comes from the people that would tell you, Disney, that if you make good on your promise to keep on this path and to fight against the will of parents, then ultimately here's what you can expect. We will no longer pay for Disney+, Plus. we will no longer go to your theme parks, and we will no longer allow you to subvert our teaching for our children and put your queer agenda wherever you want to place it, no matter how funny you think it is. So the only question that I have about all of this is that it's so on its face. It's so clear that this woman didn't think that she was going to be opposed and she almost knew that she should be, right? She's like, this is, uh, boy, they, I'm not sure it should be like this, but if I can get away with it, I will. She knew she was doing something wrong. Um, but, but the question is really this, is that are parents going to make Disney feel the weight of their decision? Are they going to move to other alternatives that actually support parental values and support good ethics and morals? Are they going to support the majority of people in the United States who don't want to merely see shows and films that express identity politics over and above the importance of the actual message and the story that's placed inside of these films. And if that is your message, if your message is, is that this kind of aberrant sexual behavior is the kind of things that you wish to propagandize children with, then ultimately I just hope parents will have uh, the, the wherewithal, the courage, and the bravery to do something about it and to say, hey, you know what, Disney, that's, that's a bit too far and, uh, and, we're, and we're not gonna do it. And here's what will happen. Disney's not taking, well, the Magic Kingdom out of Florida. Disney's not taking all of their theme parks and their cruise ships that park in, in, in Florida and, and, the, and they're not going to truly alienate a, the people who pay their bills. They're not gonna do that. What they're going to do is they're gonna sit back and they're gonna wait upon your laziness to kick in. And they're gonna hope you forget and they're gonna hope that you really don't care enough about your kids to take a stand. And then when that eventual laziness sets in, they'll go about their business and do exactly what they wanna do without any regard to what you, to, without any regard to what you care about as a parent or to the well-being of your kids. 
So my hope is, is that they're wrong. My hope is that the gamble that they're making right now will quickly not pay off for them. Because I like Disney. I want to see Obi-Wan. I thought, by the way, Moon Knight was absolutely fantastic. And I love uh, Oscar Isaac. Uh, and, and I think he's great in the role. Um, so I love that stuff. I don't want to turn it off, but I'll tell you what, my kids are more important. And so I hope that there's more parents that would say that, that same thing in the face of what Disney is doing. Because it's utter insanity that they would alienate not only their original mission statement, but alienate the people who pay their bills in the midst of this. And this is definitely what Netflix refused to do, is they understood that people wanted Dave Chappelle's content, whether or not a few employees were ticked off about it or not. We're not going to give in to the temper tantrums of a very short few people. But the only way that that short few people don't get their way is when a great larger majority throw their weight behind their voice. So we'll see how that all works out. But that's not where crazy stops because I've got one more story for you. So as Kanye and Kim go through their divorce, I've heard people clamor and even Kim herself ask for privacy during this time, which is hilarious since she's tried to make everything about her life as public as possible, including her bedroom, which is why you even know who she is in the first place. But because these people are so insufferable, I have not paid much attention to the Kim and Kanye thing um, and this Pete Davidson thing and the, the quick turnaround with, with Pete, by the way. But I've cared very little about weighing in on this, this thing, uh, on this whole debacle, because frankly, it's a reminder that when Kanye came out, did his, you know, what was it called, Sunday service album, and then started appearing in, you know, the churches of millennial pastors and tight jeans all over the United States, it's, it's just a hurtful reminder to me that Jesus didn't return as much as we all thought he was because Kanye got saved. So I know pastors are sick all over the world and truly heart sick about the fact that Jesus didn't return when, when Kanye came out as a Christian. But, but one thing did stick out to me in this whole story. So I wanted to push aside my, my hurt feelings and my disappointment over, over all of that to, to talk about this. Kanye has always been ridiculed for his mental health and probably rightfully so. But what he's doing in the public eye seems rather par for the course. A man going through a divorce is broken and, and hurting, and the woman he loved and the kids he shares with her are a subject of great pain to a person having them ripped away from him. There is no real norm when dealing with this subject, and it's unfortunately the subject of divorce is far too common in today's society. So unfortunately, Kanye is a public figure and he married a woman desperate for attention. So all of that is news and the way Kanye's responded to it, although uh, not perfect, is, is pretty typical, unfortunately. But what is not normal is the public behavior of Pete Davidson. Davidson, who has also had issues with mental health and now has contact with Kanye's kids, literally branded, branded Kim's name on his chest. He has a few tattoos, a few cute ones, you know, that he got. Um, but this one is a, it's not that one, the Kim one isn't a tattoo. It's actually a branding, like a branding. Now, if it wasn't crazy enough that a woman like Kardashian would even go out in public with a dude that looks like Davidson, now we're, we're seeing that he's taking a hot iron and searing a woman's name into his chest. Look, the only thing I could think about when I heard this was like, this is the behavior of a middle schooler who's deeply in love with the hot girl in school. We, we look at this and we say, that's Hollywood for you. 
but I don't think we need to, to do that anymore. You know, this kind of craziness, we, we need to say, stop that. No, 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 stop it. That is not acceptable behavior for a rational adult. That kind of behavior is what used to land people in detention in middle school. Now, grown men are doing it openly. That's not okay. By merely pretending that this is not a big deal is to live in the emperor's new clothes. Sure, it's a free country and Pete can do whatever he wants, but someone should have the courage to say openly, this is not normal behavior for an adult. For us to passively dismiss this act of just merely a crazy person or that's the way these actors are does not make us morally superior to those people. It makes us willfully blind. And willfully blind people eventually fall into pits. All right, let's jump into our last segment, Christianity Not Today. Okay, so this one's kind of a different one because in Christianity Not Today, you usually like to kind of make mention of things within the Christian world that don't really operate as very Christian things but want to position themselves as Christian things. And so, um, and so today I, I'm, I'm kind of gonna, I'm gonna spin this and I'm gonna do it in kind of a con contorted and weird way. But I wanted to talk to you about a woman who was in a movie theater and the movie was running late. And, uh, and so the woman was with her kids and I think one of her kids dared her to get up and do stand up. And so she's kind of like a stand up comedian in, in the making. And so in the midst of everybody in the crowded theater waiting for the movie to start, she got up in front of the screen and then started giving her stand up routine. So here's a little bit of that. I'm like, if that can get Tina Turner away from Ike Turner, that can get me out of my one bedroom into a house in the hills. And I joined the all black gospel choir. Cause I look back over my life and I think things over. Usually when I sing that song, the white people are confused. Put us out of our misery. Put us out of our misery. You want to come down here and try to entertain people? What you're trying to dim, dim my light, so you need something. I never thought I would see like a racist Asian. Sometimes people get jealous if they haven't been through as many things as you. Okay, so the first thing to note is that this this the stand-up routine wasn't good. But even if it was, it's kind of a hard crowd because people didn't pay to hear that woman do stand-up. They paid for a movie. To not recognize that is not a small thing. So I realize people are saying, why are you wasting your time talking about this really random, seemingly pointless story? Because I believe that there's something deeper here. To get confused about what people were doing in that movie theater is merely a sign that not only you don't know how to read a room, but that you don't understand yourself. Now I know some will say she was just taking on that dare, taking a risk and just trying to show her kids that they can push against their fear or some such nonsense as that. And this is where we wonder if our kids should be pushing us into decision making and the incredible immaturity of parents these days, but more importantly, it confronts us with the narcissism of our age. Everyone, everyone, this is, there's no exception to this, takes actions based upon incentive structures, uh, structures. So in this case, the incentive structure was more than just that she was dared by her kids. It's something deeper than that. It's almost assuredly that this woman thought that this was a chance to become an overnight sensation. If things go well, I might actually get my own Netflix special. And then if things go really well, the woke employees at Netflix will be protesting that special in no time. Now, I don't know, but I can only imagine that it wasn't enough for her kids to dare her to do this, but that she actually thought in the age of social media, she'll become the biggest hot new thing if this goes viral. This kind of incentive structure is almost totally a fabrication of social media. 
Now, because we all have an audience, we think we deserve one too. We think likes dictate reality and they don't. And we also think when hashtags take off that they represent truth and they don't. And most importantly, we are constantly rewarded for the kind of behavior that we would never do in public on social media. So the Pavlovian experiment is working. The, the, the social media experiment has created a bunch of attention-starved puppies waiting for a heart to be thrown at them and desperate for their name and lights. We fail to realize that the goal in this life is not to be recognized or for your name to be in lights. Now, Plato spoke about this in the Republic thousands of years ago, and I think it's worth mentioning because it is exactly what we're dealing with today. He believed that a society's future could be dictated by those who were most admired in that society and that the celebrities of his day were the ones glamorizing bad character and therefore we needed a new set of people to idolize. So using Sparta as a model, he noticed that if you could center a society around one thing that was virtuous and worthwhile, you could create a whole society. So for Spartans, that was war. When you create a society around war, you can create exceptional, exceptional warriors. And, and, and that's what he wanted to do in Athens. If Athens could develop a new crop of people to admire called guardians who valued moral strength and personal wisdom, then Athens could be a city on a hill. It's Jesus talking there. Um, but, but you know what I mean, that it could develop the best kind of people that a society could be proud of and that could, they could admire because we need to be careful of who we admire. By the way, this is also why he was against pure democracy. He believed that only those who were the most informed on issues had earned the right to vote. Otherwise, voting would turn into just simply a popularity contest. So let me ask you a question. Was he wrong about that? Maybe in some ways, but in other ways, obviously right. So when I look at America today, I don't see an ethos or an ethic, if you will. I don't see a value system that we aspire to other than celebrity for the sake of celebrity. I see pastors longing to build a megachurch. Why? Because Jesus did? No, because Stephen Furtick did. So you probably get the point. Unless we learn to establish, uh, establish a proper value system, a society is destined to crumble. If it feels good, do it. If it feels bad, it must be bad. We'll never be the kind of ethic to help develop a strong society, but perhaps the book that brought us the Reformation and the pilgrims that legitimately longed for freedom the book that engineered civil rights in England and even that book that was in the mouth of an American pastor that, that created civil rights in the, in the American West can possibly give us a set of morals and standards that used to hold this country together. Now, I'm just suggesting maybe, maybe that book can. All I'm saying at the end of the day is that book did hold this country together at some point in time and was used mightily to create this country, even if in a passing way, which by the way, I think it's way more than that. Uh, but nonetheless, it did create, it was helpful in creating this great society that we now enjoy. And so that said, we may need to get back to shared ethics. I don't even care if you believe in God. Well, I mean, I do, but what I'm saying is, is that the one thing I do care about is that if you really believe in a healthy society, you're going to have to come to the conclusion, even if you don't agree with me about Christianity, you're going to have to come to the conclusion that perhaps the best principles that we can engineer a society around are found in Holy Scripture. Now, you don't have to agree with me, but you do have to think for yourself about these things. And then when you've done that, you do have to do the hard work of speaking up, even if people may misunderstand your heart and your motives behind the speaking. Because as long as you remain silent, those truths 
that have come to shape this society will continually be pushed to the margins and pushed out of existence, perhaps. So in order for that not to happen, what you have to do is you have to like, share, and subscribe because that's all the time that we have for today. Thanks so much for watching. We'll catch you next time. You can catch brand new episodes of Indie Thinker with Reed Uberman every Monday and weekly bonus episodes to keep you thinking throughout the week. But you have to subscribe and click the bell to be notified when new episodes drop. If you enjoy this content, make sure to like this video and share it with friends.